0: And let's look at Numbers chapter 14,
1: beginning in verse 24, and let us look. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, glory to God, the Bible says, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and has fully followed me, followed me fully. How many of you want to fully follow the Lord In 2023, say this with me. I want to follow the Lord fully in everything he's leading, everything he's calling, everything he's guiding me in 2023. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't want to miss a moment. I want to be totally led by the spirit of God and I want to follow the Lord fully. Amen. But my servant, Caleb, Because he had another spirit with me and has followed me fully, him will I bring into the land. Where to he went, and a seed shall possess it. We've taken this totally out of context. Most people do not understand where the introduction to Caleb actually begins and who is Caleb. Many of us have different backgrounds, we come from different um, orientations of faith, and some of us have been in church all of our lives. Some of us are unfamiliar with the Bible altogether. So we must begin, first of all, with introducing you to Caleb. Caleb was, dear child of God, uh, the one of the 12 spies from the tribe of Judah that was sent in to spy out the land of Israel before when it was the land of Canaan. First, the land of Israel, the first and original name before it became Israel was Canaan. Can you say that with me? The land of Canaan oftentimes you hear it referred to as Canaan. It's the same thing. Say Canaan, the land of Canaan. Now, I want you to understand that the land of Canaan was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants. And the Bible tells us that the children of of Israel were called, of course, to go up and to possess it. But in Numbers chapter 13, let us look at verse 1. The Bible is telling us the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a ruler among them." And the and verse six, the Bible begins uh, to categorize all of the tribes, twelve tribes, one ruler per tribe. And in verse six, the Bible says, "And of the tribe of Judah, Caleb." Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. So I want you to understand that Caleb already, just by being, by virtue of being the leader at the time, sent by God, chosen by Moses to go into the promised land, but from the tribe of Judah, what is that spiritual significance of him being of the tribe of Judah? Let's look back and see the destiny of Judah. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going to give you a background before I preach so that you have all the infram- all the revelation from God's word so that you will understand what I'm talking about when I speak to you. All right? Let's go and see the background of the tribe of Judah looking at Genesis chapter 49. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 49. In Genesis chapter 49, verses one through three, Jacob, before he goes to heaven, is going to bless his descendants, 12 sons, which become the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Bible says in verse nine, when he gets to Judah, judah is destined for kingship can you say this with me judah is destined for kingship and the bible says judah is a lion's whelp. from the prey my son you are gone up he stooped down he crouched as he couched as a lion look at look at verse 10 the scepter shall not depart from judah say this with me kingship or the scepter rulership Rulership. shall not depart from Judah. So this is before Israel ever had a king. This is before Israel even had the land. This is before any tribes became a nation. God already predestined that Judah would have kingship out of his tribe. Are you hearing this? So the destiny of Judah was kingship. Say it. The destiny of Judah was kingship. Now, I want you to understand something. Kingship in the Bible is not king- like kingship on earth. Those who are chosen in the Bible for rulership, there are tests that they have to go through, a proving process before they receive the crown. Did you know that? Did you know every person in the Bible that has been selected also becomes elected through testing? Did you hear me? I said those who have been elect, selected, those who are elected by God, become elected through testing. Say this with me. I'm willing to go through the test. I'm willing to pay any price for destiny how many of you are willing to pay the price for what God has for you? How many of you are willing to do whatever it takes for God to pour out his best blessing on you, for you to be able to go up and inherit the promises that God has ordained for your life? How many of you want that for your life? Amen. Well, guess what? Even though before Judah, Before Judah was king, before his descendants became king, before there was any nation, when God already ordained it, all of this that was predestined by God, all of God's plan, guess what? Judah doesn't get to get a free pass to destiny either. Even though it's been prophesied, even though it was spoken to Judah and his descendants at the go home going of his father, extending the blessing. You see, when the patriarchs extended the blessing it isn't just like saying bless you my son they were prophesying into the whole line they were prophesying into the descendants that will also follow that would receive this braha, this blessing that was coming from the descendants of abraham isaac and jacob to become the nation of israel are you with me if you are say amen so it's a prophetic blessing say it with me it's a prophetic blessing it's a, that wakes up our it's a blessing that wakes up our destiny. And the Braha or the blessing is a component from heaven, it's a blessing from God. So that means that what you don't have in the natural to get to what God has called you to be. The blessing is that component that God gives you that extends you to be able to get there. Yes. So that means if I don't have the strength, it doesn't matter. God will give me the strength if the braha or the blessing is on my life. That means if, if I don't, if, uh, no matter what my state is in life, say, for example, the matriarchs, they were all barren but their destiny was to birth the nation of Israel. But all four matriarchs were barren. God had mercy on Leah because she went through trials. So her barrenness was only a short time. But all the other matriarchs, the three matriarchs of Israel, all born barren, but their destiny was to birth the nation. They needed a braha, didn't they? They needed a blessing of God so that God's blessing could actually bring down from heaven what was necessary in order to obtain their destiny. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Say, I want to walk in that kind of an anointing that God will provide for me what's missing in my life to get to the goal that God has called me to walk in. Are you with me? saints, if you are, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give God the glory and give God the praise. All right, beloved saints. So now I want you to see this was the destiny of Judah. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. So this means that when descendants began to be born after the nation of Israel was born, Every one of those descendants that were potential had to go through a test and a trial to pass the test. And guess what? Caleb, who was a leader from the tribe of Judah, is going to pass a huge test. All right. I want you to know what kind of a test it is. It is the test of going up into the promised land and viewing the promised land and all the others coming back with an evil report. Because why? When God gave the children of Israel, the land of Canaan, there were giants in the land and they had to drive the giants out. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Let us look and see, just so we have a background, just so we understand. The Bible says, uh, "Beloved saints, we see here in, we see here in Numbers chapter." Uh, 13, going back to chapter 13, when they came back from spying out the land, 12 tribes, each man for a tribe, 12 spies that went in. The Bible says, verse 25, and they returned from searching the land after 20, after 40 days. And the Bible says, when they come back, verse, um, they said, the land that you sent us into was a wonderful land. The Bible says, and this is the fruit of it, last line of verse 26. But the Bible says, in verse 28, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And we saw there the children of Anak. The children of Anak were descendants of the giants. In case you didn't know, going to um, the Bible, going to Genesis chapter 6, which we're not going to look at right now in verse 3, the Bible tells us, the Bible says that God, and let's just look at it just so you all know, and then we are going to move very quickly. The Bible says, my spirit shall not always strive with man uh, because man is flesh. So his days are going to be 120 years. Watch this, verse 4, and there were giants in the earth in those days. You see that? Giants in the earth in those days. And the word in Hebrew that's used for giants is the word Nephilim. Can you say that with me? Nephilim. And the meaning of the word Nephilim means to fall. To fall. Say it with me. To fall. You see, every Hebrew word has a concept behind it. Can you say that with me? Every Hebrew word has a concept behind it. So we have to understand that the concept teaches us what the meaning of that word is. In other words, a giant is not just about a person who's big. Okay, every Hebrew word has the concept because Hebrew language is the most articulate language that ever was. And so in order for us to understand the concept the Bible wants us to understand about giants, is that the word for giants is Nephilim, and that root of that word Nephilim is the word Naphal, which means literally to fall. So that means the destiny of every giant is to fall down. Say this with me. The destiny of every giant in my life, challenging my life, is to fall down before me. Can I get a witness somewhere? Somebody ought to claim this tonight. And say, I receive it in the name of Jesus. Come on, saints. Are you with me? All right. So they saw the sons of Anak there going back, and they didn't want to go into the promised land. They refused to go into the promised land. They put all of Israel under tremendous a time of weeping and mourning because they didn't want to go into the land. And God said here in In Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, but my servant Caleb, I want you to see this. Look at verse 22. Verse 22 says, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, say this with me, wherever the glory is, there are miracles. When there is no glory, there are no miracles. Now, I want you to understand one of the reasons why in the body of Christ today we're not seeing miracles like we have in the past is because there's no glory. And so we need to study Caleb's life to be able to understand how to constrain the glory of God on the earth. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Amen. Say this with me. Wherever there is God's glory manifested, there are miracles in the midst. Somebody should praise God tonight. I'm going to tell you, saints, I remember the days. I remember the days. I'm an eyewitness because many of you, some of us have heard, But we never saw because, you know, I came to know the Lord Jesus in 1971. Some of you weren't born yet. So I've been walking with God over 50 years, all right, and serving God every day of my life over 50 years. All right, and I was a teenager when I came to know the Lord Jesus. And and it was a glorious experience. I was saved in the Jesus Revival. That's a major revival. Some of you don't know about the Jesus movement. That was a movement that you didn't even have to barely witness to anybody and they just came to Christ. Because the Spirit of God was doing everything. Hello, somebody. I said the Spirit of God was doing everything. Yes. You remember, you just look up, and when you go home on the internet, Time Magazine, 1970, Time Magazine, Jesus Movement, and you will see in the Pacific Ocean, hands raised, somebody that was being baptized in water. That's where it began. Right here in California, somebody should give God the glory and the praise. All right. So I'm saying to you, God allowed me to see not only the Jesus movement, but the charismatic movement. that came right on the tail of the Jesus movement. And the charismatic movement, the highlight was Catherine Kuhlman. And I had the honor and privilege of being in her meetings And I want you to know something. The glory was so strong in those meetings. You did not need a person to lay hands on you to be healed. There was no, there was no persons going forward to have Catherine Coleman touch them for healing in a healing line. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that is not how they took place. The glory was so strong in those meetings that a person would walk in the building, and I want you to know something. These were not charismatics. It hadn't really come yet. These were not Pentecostals by any means, people shouting in hallelujah like we do. No, these were very conservative everyday people with very deep everyday problems. Persons like the little girl who came from a Baptist family. She was a young little girl, and her father somewhere from the Midwest. And her father was a construction worker, and he was a good daddy. He loved his two little girls. He used to read to them at night, and just a good daddy, good churchgoer, a Baptist, never knew about the things of God supernaturally, but just a good person, wonderful Christian man. But he owned a construction business. And one day he was up on the third floor and he had a fall and he broke his back. And many other bones in his body. And Miss Coleman, he was healed in a Miss Coleman service. And the testimony, I believe it's in the book. I'm not sure if it's, I believe it's in God Can Do It Again. And one of the testimonies in God Can Do It Again was God Always Answers Little Girls' Prayers. God always answers little girls' prayers. You can't get more simple than that. You can't get more, you can't get more pure than that. You can't get more real than that. God always answers little girls' prayers. Because those little girls love their daddy so much. And they saw the the testimony doesn't just give a testimony, it goes into the details of the doctors and the the trouble and the, the problems in the business that occur when one becomes disabled. Life that suddenly changes without a warning. It comes upon an individual. And they're suddenly faced with trauma and shock and not knowing what to do with their future. We're so used to everything being so fast, everything being just like this, and if we don't get a high in the church, then we didn't, ha- we didn't get touched. Do you really want to know? These precious little girls every night getting on their little faces and saying, Lord Jesus, touch my daddy. Please touch my daddy, heal my daddy. And one day, as always, there would be someone that was a neighbor, always a neighbor or a friend or someone that they knew that invited them to a Coleman meeting. And that daddy, of course, was healed with nobody touching him when he came in the building. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. That's what I call the glory. Eyewitness of the glory of God. I witness For myself, you say, did you yourself see miracles? Oh, yes. When I was about 18... I went to my first Katherine Coleman meeting outside of Melodyland. She would go to Melodyland, my church, every year at the charismatic clinic. But I was going to go to the shrine this time. I remember getting up so early in the morning, eight o'clock. It was a Sunday, the service was going to be at two o'clock. And I remember rushing down to Los Angeles. Finally finding a parking space. I was all by myself. I couldn't wait to go. And I sat way up in the third balcony. And I was just shocked by everything. It was so packed, but there was so much love. There was no pushing and shoving. People were preferring one another and loving one another. The atmosphere was so filled with love and joy, everybody was so happy. No, these weren't rich people. These were everyday people that were so filled with joy, unspeakable. And I was sitting up in that third balcony and Miss Coleman looked this big on the stage. And someone said, "Would you like binoculars? Let me just show you, lend you my binoculars." And I looked in those binoculars, and Miss Coleman became very big. And I heard so clearly her saying, "Somebody!" And she described the row where I was sitting. There's a blind person, and she said, "And the Holy Ghost is moving in that row." And all of a sudden the lights went out to me and I saw a rod of lightning like this, go up and down the row, up and down the row like this It went past me It went past my neighbors. I, I didn't, what am I seeing here? It was just like this and it stopped at the man who was blind. And that blind man stood up and was totally healed by the power of God. No man touching him. No man touching him. Are you hearing this? I said, no man touching him. I'm, I'm going to just share with you. I, I, I feel led to do this before I share with you about Caleb. We're not going to be long, but I've got to go off in this direction because I want us to love the glory and want the glory and pray the glory back. It is possible to live again in those days. It is possible for the presence of God to return as the presence of God was in those days. I will tell you really quickly of Sam the fisherman. You know why? Because it's so close to my heart. Because the lady who God used to say, you're the one being healed, was my teacher. You see, her name was Sister Edith, and she was a worker. Miss Coleman didn't have a lot of workers. There was only about five in the whole Shrine Auditorium, and Miss and Sister Edith was one. And she identified the healings when Miss Coleman would call them out. Miss Coleman didn't say, "Raise your hand if it's you." No, 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 no. Or if you're the one you're going to have to identify yourself to a worker and say, yeah, I'm the one with the heart condition. No, the workers had to see you were the one. Do you see? And they had to be so skilled. They never made a mistake. I said, they had to be so skilled that they never made a mistake. Did you hear what I said? And they had to be so full of wisdom because most of those people didn't know the Lord. So there were people from Hollywood all the time coming in incognito to Miss Coleman's services, and they came for healing. And so this uh, this man was his name was Sam the Fisherman. He was a drunkard, alcoholic. He would con- I only reason I know what he drank is it was in the book. He drank one, I guess you call him gallon, I don't think it's a gallon, but it's a container of some sort, whatever it is, full, and, and they, they said in the book, Beef Eater's Gin, every day. One whole container of it. And he was such an alcoholic, but one of the reasons he became an alcoholic, well, not only because he was a, a, a fisherman, sailor, he was like that was because he had terminal cancer and he was in constant pain and how he got there was a little lady just worked on him and said, you're coming, please. You got to come with me. You got to come with me. And while he was sitting in the, sh- in the sh- the chairs, watching the healings take place, he was thinking, how much did they pay that person to say that testimony? And how much did they give that person money to say that they were healed? He was mocking the whole time But you see, when the glory of God is there and God is after a soul, the presence of God is there and you have the combination of the glory and skilled workers. I said you have the combination of the glory and people that have wisdom by the spirit of God and not by the flesh. You have the combination of yielding to the Holy Spirit and knowing what the Holy Spirit is saying. He was sitting there in that front row and Miss Coleman said, "Someone in and she described the section, you have terminal cancer and if you will stand up, sir, you will be healed." And he sat there with his arms folded. And Sister Edith went up to him with her thick glasses, this thick. And she said, "Sir, I believe you are the one. And he said, he said some words that weren't very nice, and he stood up. And the moment he stood up, the fire of God consumed the cancer out of his body. and he told sister Edith, "What's going on? What did you do to me?" She said, "I didn't do anything." And he and he said, "What that lady do to me?" "Didn't do anything. It's the power of God." He he went immediately to the platform. Went down under the power, gave his life completely to Christ and became a sold-out born again believer. Yeah. You understand what I'm talking about? Everybody loved it. Everybody was part of it. It wasn't clicky or we're this group or we're this elitist group. No, everybody was one that the Holy Spirit wanted to touch. And that's what God wants. He wants to reach individuals with personal needs. He wants to reach you right where you are. He's interested in your grandma who's homesick. He's interested in your family. He's interested in the fact that your little girl is going through something. He's interested in the fact that you're a single mother raising children alone. He's interested in the fact that you're going through trials and tribulations. (laughs) Do you understand? Very quickly, the Bible says going back, but those men that have seen my glory and my miracles. you see the glory's got to be present for the miracles. Say it with me, the glory's got to be present for the miracles. but those men that saw my glories and my miracles, which I did in the in the in Egypt and in the wilderness have tempted me these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice. There were people in the wilderness, the the spies, and all of the nation that saw God's miracles, and rather than giving themselves completely over to the will of God to do what God asked them to do, which was go up and take the land, they didn't want to do it. You know, beloved, the purpose of the glory and the purpose of the miracles is to commit ourselves more to the work of God. Do you understand this? Do you understand the accountability that if we have a revival and an outpouring such as in the days of Ms. coma but even greater that God is bringing on the earth can you do you realize that it is it takes a responsibility there's a responsibility to give ourselves so to Christ, to give ourselves unreservedly to Christ, to give ourselves over to his work, to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, to come up to a next level and to be completely on fire for God. Do you understand what I'm saying? But those men that saw verse 22, that saw my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have tempted me these 10 times. But look at verse 24. But my servant Caleb because he had another spirit with him has followed me fully and him will I bring into the land Caleb's report was not like the spies Caleb came back and said we're able to go up Caleb was the only one who came back and said we are surely able, we're more than able let us go up at once and possess it are you with me, saints? Do you understand what I'm saying? Why are you sharing all this, Dr. Crowell? Okay, so we, we see Caleb. That's great. You've presented to us the fact that he, is, um, he, he does not grieve the glory of God, and he is dwelling in the glory. But what does that really mean? I want you, if you will, just for a moment to go with me to Judges. Chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses one through three, and then I want you to see Judges 17 through 19. You know, beloved saints, the book of Judges takes place after Joshua. The Bible says, now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord saying, who will go up against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah will go up for I have delivered the land into his hand notice this is the formation. Now Israel has come out of Egypt. Israel, 40 years in the wilderness is passed. Seven years of conquering Canaan has passed. Joshua is dead. Now the remnant of that generation that went into the promised land with Joshua is still alive. And they are asking the Lord who's going to go up for us first. And God's answer is Judah because Judah is now stepping into his destiny to be prepared, the tribe, to be prepared for kingship. Kingship isn't going to come until the will of God first tests them. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. So God says Judah's going to go up first. And Judah obeyed. Judah went up. And all of Israel began to follow after Judah. And the Bible begins to show us in chapter one, there is a presentation made by the prophet Samuel, who is the author of the book of Judges. We are seeing that there is a presentation that's going to be made. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, and they went up to fight. And we see now a long list of victories that Judah had. Go with me and look at these victories. The Bible says, um, the Bible says, looking at these victories, beginning in verse 5, and they found Adonai Bezek. This is a giant in the land of the Canaanites. And they slew him. And the Bible says, verse 8, and the children of Judah fought against Jerusalem, not Jerusalem. The city is founded now, but Jebus. And had taken it and smitten it with the edge of the sword. So they had victory there. And verse nine, and afterward, the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites. And notice they have victory again. The Bible says they slew Sheshai and Ahaman and me, These were giants. And then we see... In verse 11, and from thence he went against the inhabitants of Debir, and in Debir he has victory again. And the Bible goes on to say, looking at verse 17, and Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and they slew the Canaanites. Not his brother, it wasn't two men, it's the tribe. And the Bible's referring to Simeon and the tribe of of Judah together like brothers, but it was the two tribes. And Judah went with his brother Simeon, and they slew the Canaanites notice verse 18 and judah took gaza and the coast thereof notice 100 percent victory and ashkelon these were philistine cities thereof and ekron and the coast thereof and the lord was with judah verse 19 and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountain but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley notice because they had chariots of iron now, what I want you to see is, it's not that they could not drive out the chariots of iron. It's that they would not drive out the chariots of iron. I want you to understand something. If you look at the book of Joshua, and we don't have time now, this, con- this, uh, this intimidating fear came over Israel Whenever they went in the conquest of Canaan up against chariots of iron, they they refused to drive them out because the chariots of iron so intimidated them. So instead of driving them out, they put the Canaanites to the tributary, meaning they subjugated them to pay taxes, but allowed them to stay in the land. Are you hearing me? They did not do what God called them to do. Notice there was 100% victory until the chariots of iron. It is not because they tried to drive out the chariots of iron and then the chariots of iron had victory over them. No, automatically when they subjugated, the chariots of iron, they made a decision. This is not God's will, but I've got a word for you. It was God's will. They were already having a hundred percent conquering. They were already having a hundred percent victory. Are you hearing this? And there are, I want you to understand those chariots of iron became not only a snare to Israel in the sense of in the sense of not fulfilling the will of God, but they became a way of the people of God now processing their destiny. Their destiny now went down to a lower level. Their destiny now is we're only going to drive out some, but we're not going to drive out all. And so the conditioning to compromise became the new normal. I'm going somewhere with this. Are you hearing this? The condition to compromise became the new normal. And so I want you to understand the Bible in the context puts right under verse 19. Watch this in verse 19, In, in verse 20. In verse 20, the Bible says, or verse 19, going back up, the Bible says they could not drive out the chariots of iron, verse 20, and they gave Hebron to Caleb, as Moses said. Now, I want you to understand something. Caleb is still alive. Joshua is gone. Moses is gone. All those who left Egypt are gone. But God spared Caleb to be not only in the Joshua generation, but he spared Caleb to be alive in the early part of the judges generation. I'm going somewhere with this. Why is the Bible telling us they gave Hebron to Caleb? We already know that back from the book of Judges. The book of Judges tells us that Joshua gave Hebron to Caleb. But I want you to understand something. Do you really know who Caleb was? Caleb was a man that the glory of God is still resting on. The Bible tells us if we look that he is the only person who survived and he survived for a reason because God raised him up to be a sign to the generation that refused to drive out the chariots of iron that this is the real will of God to do what Caleb did, to go up and do the complete will of God and follow him fully and not accept a compromise. Are you with me? I want you to understand, for those of us who don't know who Caleb was, I want you to understand how Caleb had an encounters with the glory, and the glory is still resting on him. Caleb went through the Red Sea. Do you realize a Red Sea experience? Can you realize what kind of glory was present in the Red Sea? The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 14, verse 21, that when the children of Israel went into the Red Sea, God caused an east wind to blow all night. And the Bible says, and the waters were separated and the dry land appeared. Do you realize that attributes of the creation were actually in the Red Sea, when God was creating the heavens and the earth, and the Bible says the waters divided and the dry land appeared, those very attributes that were spoken by God in the creation, hallelujah, were were present, active in the waters of the Red Sea. Do you realize the kind of glory that Caleb carried? Do you realize he walked through the dead the, the Red Sea that whole night? He watched Pharaoh's chariots be swallowed up by the power of God do you realize hallelujah the kind of glory that rested on Caleb do you realize that Caleb was there at Mount Sinai when the power of God came down on the mountain and he saw with his own eyes the thunderings and the lightnings and he heard the trumpet sound for three solid days. Are you hearing this? When God was uttering 613 commandments from heaven, do you realize the kind of glory that was upon Caleb for being at Mount Sinai? Do you realize what Caleb went through when he was in, in the land of Egypt before the children of Israel came out of Egypt? The night that the death of the firstborn took place and God's mighty hand went across Egypt and smote all the firstborn, but he was in his house along with all the other children of Israel who were spared from the death angel, the glory that was all around those houses and the power of God that was manifested in the land of Egypt when... The water turned to blood, hallelujah, and the plagues came down from heaven. He was an eyewitness of the glory of God. Are you hearing this? He's still there when he watches his tribe not drive out. The chariots of iron. Contextually, and remember we interpret scripture, this this the verses underneath, verses that you read above, interpret the scriptures above. Explanation is obtained in the context. Say it with me.
0: Explanation is obtained, is obtained
1: in the context. Say it again. Explanation, Explanation. is obtained. In the context. So the author's intent when the author who is the prophet Samuel wrote the book of Judges and tells us after they refused to drive out the chariots of iron and speaks of Caleb being given Hebron, the Bible wants us to know that God spared and wanted Caleb to be alive to be a witness that they're creating a new normal that's not the will of God. Hello, somebody. I said a new normal that's not the will of God. A compromised normal. And today I want to say to this body of believers, God is about to do mighty things in 2023. But we can block his hand if we live below our calling. We can block his hand. I don't care how culturally correct or how modern times are and how modern times have reinvented Christianity. It's the same Christianity as the days of Catherine Coleman. It's the same Christianity as the days of William Joseph Seymour. It's the same Christianity as the days of Amy Semple McPherson. It's the same Christianity as the days of Hudson Taylor. Christianity as the days of Amy Carmichael. It is the same Christianity as the days of the great generals that went on before us and all missionaries who went into all the world to preach the gospel and gave up everything they had so that the gospel would go forth. It's the same Christianity. It's up to us. God said to Caleb Anointing, stand to your feet. Some of you brought your vision for 2023. Some of you brought your vision. How many of you brought your vision for 2023? You brought your plan. How many of you brought a plan that you have For 2023, you brought a mission statement. If you didn't, it's all right. Because I'm going to pray over you. But I'm only going to pray for those that are serious. But my servant Caleb, because he has another spirit with him, hallelujah, shall enter the land and his seed shall possess it. See, the devil has this kind of lie that he wants to give to us that if you just kind of commit, you're okay. He has this lie that says if you really commit, you're going to miss out. You're a fanatic. You're living an imbalanced life. If you really commit to the cross and really commit to the things of God and really get sold out for Christ... You know, one of the reasons we want to found this school is not just to educate people. Number one, I want to create discipline in the body of Christ and those that are becoming prophetic, I want you to be authentically prophetic. And that comes through having the word inside of you. But also, my prayer is to send missionaries, young people, Single people, older people, send missionaries into places where few would travel, where few would go. Missionaries that will go to places in Africa that still have not been evangelized, missionaries that will go to the Philippines, to the Orient to places where Christ's name needs to be known. Missionaries that will go out to all the world. I want missionaries that aren't intimidated to give everything for Christ. I believe in God. We're going to raise up an Amy Carmichael in this ministry.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny we invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give text hesed c-h-e-s-e-d to seven seven nine seven that's hesed c-h-e-s-e-d to seven seven nine seven you are also invited to visit dr michelle corral facebook or instagram We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.